Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky. Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess. Ah, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. This holiday season, Lexus wants you to remember. Nothing feels as good as making others feel good. Those so-called feel-good holiday films? They can't hold a gingerbread-scented candle to the feeling of giving them something that gives them all the feels. Make this December one to remember, together. Click the banner to discover more. Experience amazing at your Lexus dealer. Welcome to Belly Up Sports, MD's fantasy football show. Now, for your host, Dan Mater. And welcome back, MD Nation, to the show. As always, I'm your host, Dan Mater. We are back here today with the Sunday night recap, the Monday night recap, and of course, the waiver wire report at the end of the show, which is going to be probably one of the most important waiver wire reports that this show has ever had to do. Because frankly, everyone is a miss about what their next step needs to be. Here's my most important advice to you guys. My most important advice to you guys is that do not panic. I don't care that you're own two. I don't care that you either lost Christian McCaffrey for a few weeks or you lost Saquon for the season or what the case may be or if you're sitting on Julio and Devontae where you're unsure about hamstring issues. It doesn't matter. It's still early in the season. There is still time for you to correct your season, to make the playoffs, and to make a championship run. But it's going to depend on how scrappy you are. It's going to depend on who's willing to go the extra distance in their league, figure out what waiver moves you have to make, which will be a big part of this show. It'll also be about figuring out trades. Not necessarily just for this week, although that could be part of the equation, but also figuring out trades for the future and making acquisitions to acquire assets to be able to make said trades. There are a million ways that you can make roster moves to improve your roster. Even if you find yourself, after what I'm coining the phrase, I said it on social media earlier today, coining the phrase Red Sunday after the Game of Thrones Red Wedding. Because that's what it was. It was a Red Sunday. Brutal. 
absolutely brutal. I don't know if I've ever seen this many superstars, especially when it came to the running back position, go down for multiple weeks at a time like we had this past Sunday. Absolutely brutal. But we're going to get through it. We're going to help you get through it. And all is not lost. That is the most important point that if you guys take anything out of this show, take that with you today. All is not lost. And if you were sitting 2-0 and and you somehow came unscathed on Sunday, that doesn't mean sit pat. That doesn't mean say, oh, I feel good about myself. Everybody else is hurt, and I'm walking into a 2-0 situation, and I'm good to go with my team moving forward. No, 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 no. You never can sit pat in fantasy football. You have to continue to be ahead of the curb. You have to continue to be aggressive. You have to continue to find ways to improve your roster when necessary or when you can, when available to you. So we're going to help you guys out too because it doesn't just stop because you're up with a good start, and maybe you came away somehow with a pretty healthy roster. It doesn't stop there. Now's the time you take advantage of those people who are hurting, who are vulnerable, and you make deals in a buy-low situation. And we're going to help you with that all throughout the week. That's not going to be in today's show, but that's my piece of advice for you guys to take with you as we kick things off tonight. So like I said, we got the Sunday night recap, we got the Monday night recap, we got the waiver wire report. You're listening to the MD's Fantasy Football Show, and you could always listen to us on your favorite podcast app. On Thursdays and Fridays, we stream live on YouTube, Sportscaster, Twitter, Facebook, uh, Twitch. And starting, I believe, this Thursday at 12 o'clock to 1, and on Friday from 12 to 1 as well, this show is going to be going live over the radio. The Worldwide Sports Radio Network is giving us a time slot to give an opportunity to us to go in front of their audience and really be able to spread the MD's Fantasy Football Show brand and expand our reach. And I'm very excited to do it. It's been a long time since I've been live on the radio. I do have that experience before. Uh, it's been almost 10 years, though. It's been almost a decade since I've been live on air. So I'm very excited to do it. I have butterflies to do it, which makes me happy because it means that I'm still like a little kid on Christmas when it comes to this stuff. I absolutely love it. And this is all possible because of you, because of MD Nation. Your support has given us this platform to be able to see if we can take the next step together. It might be me producing this show. It might be me hosting the show and talking for an hour to an hour and a half. But it's you guys listening, you guys supporting that allows me to do what I do. So I thank you so much for that. And hopefully you guys will download the Worldwide Sports Radio Network, whether you have iOS or Android, and listen to us live from 12 to 1 on Thursdays and Fridays. And yeah, if you're sitting there saying, well, Dan, your podcast lately has been going an hour and a half. How are you going to kick, kick this down to an hour, buddy? We're going to talk a little bit faster. <laughs> We're going to maybe get to the bottom line a little bit quicker. But never fear, the content, the insight will be as sharp and as in-depth as it ever has been. So I have experience with this. We'll be okay. The show is not going to lose its essence. But enough of that. We have to get into what we came to talk about today, kicking it off with the Sunday night recap. What a game. The Patriots, the Seattle Seahawks, it literally came down to the last second. Cam Newton tried to get a little too greedy, tried to get that third rushing touchdown on the day, tried to pull a Dak Prescott to win the game, get stuffed at the two-yard line. But nevertheless, from a fantasy perspective, Cam Newton was phenomenal in this game. 30 of 44, 397 passing yards. I don't know if he can throw 397 passing yards again this season. Remember, as a Patriots team, they have 
Julian Edelman, Nikhil Harry, and who throwing the football to? They didn't even have James White in this game. We should mention that real quickly. James White, his case you didn't hear by now, his father died in a car crash on Sunday. That was why he wound up being a surprise inactive. A real shame to hear. And uh, hopefully he should be back next Sunday where he'll be able to get on the field and I'm sure he'll get a big welcome from everybody who's on the field, including the opposing team. So I do want to give out our condolences to James White and his family for their tragic loss on Sunday. But no James White. All you had was Nikhil Harry and Sony Michelle, Julian Edelman, Rex Burkhead played a lot in this game. And Cam still found a way to get it done. Now the guy we're leaving out there, Demir Bird. He had six catches for 72 yards on nine targets in that matchup. He is the guy that we expect to be the third wide receiver. In week one, he didn't get a target, but he did play the snap count that you expect to see out of a number three receiver on a team. So he is the number three receiver moving forward. Not somebody who's fantasy relevant, but that is going to be the other weapon besides Julian Edelman and Nikhil Harry that Cam Newton's typically going to have throwing the football. But what a great game he had. Tacked on the 47 yards rushing, two rushing touchdowns in this game. He's a goal line back. I, it's not Sony Michelle, it's Cam Newton. Every time they got down within the five-yard line, they were running their jumbo formation set with Cam Newton as the lone back. It, it was just the goal line offense is designed for Cam. And this is what I talked about going into the season. This is why he was my QB 12 coming into the year. He's going to get the opportunity to run. Now, how long he can hold up running at this clip, taking this kind of a beating, I don't know. He seems to be re-energized by the idea, by the philosophy that they are allowing him to be a playmaker first, a quarterback second. He seems to be re-energized on the field because he, and you know what? It's not a surprise to me. Cam Newton being a playmaker first, a quarterback second, is how he got to where he is today. It's what made him Cam Newton. And the last few years, he was dealing with injuries, but also the Panthers were pushing to make him more of a pocket passer, which is something he's just never going to be. If you want to get the most out of Cam Newton, what the Patriots are doing is the way to do that. So as long as this continues, Cam Newton is going to be a must-start QB1. 100%. And it was nice to see their offense was able to get more aggressive when it needed to, because that was the question coming out of Miami, right? Was that it was so simplified. It was so conservative. Were you going to be able to run that offense? Was it going to be able to open up if it needed to? It, it needed to in this game, and it did. Outside of Cam, Julian Edelman, eight catches, 179 yards on 11 targets, 179 yards. Apparently, I didn't know this until a few hours ago, but that was actually Julian Edelman's career high in yards for a single game. Unbelievable. He got that with Cam Newton, not with Tom Brady. How crazy is that? Now, moving forward, Julian Edelman is, I mean, he's a solidified wide receiver too. He's not going to go for 179 yards. He may never again. He didn't do it up to this point in his career. But when the Patriots are in games, they are going to have to be more aggressive. He is the favorite target. Nikhil Harry is somebody who's becoming more fantasy relevant. Eight catches, 72 yards on 12 targets. I still don't really love that he struggles to get separation. But here's what I will say. 
Cam Newton is not afraid to throw him 50-50 balls, and he does have a tendency to come up with the catch in traffic. He tends to win those battles. And as long as that continues to be the case, Nikhil Harry is going to push his way up. Right now, I would still say that he's more of a high-end wide receiver four because it's still very volume-based. And when they get into the goal line, while technically, I guess, if you want to say who's the red zone target for the Patriots, it would be Nikhil Harry. But as I've said, this goal line offense is completely built around Cam Newton. So he can't really count the touchdowns. It's going to be very game-dependent, game-script-dependent on Nikhil Harry and when he's going to do well. And because the Patriots have a pretty good defense and they're going to have an effective running game, I don't know how many games will be game-scripted for the Patriots to have to throw the ball a lot. They're going to have to play a lot more teams like Seattle for that to be the case. So I'm not going to go crazy on Nikita Harry, but he is somebody who's going to slowly move up my board moving forward. I'll comment real quick on Sony Michelle. Seven carries, 19 yards. He's not droppable yet, but in one more week he might be. Because remember, Damian Harris will be eligible to come back in week four off the IR. So when he's back in the fold and James White is back in the fold, I may just not want to own a Patriots running back, period. Not not just not play a Patriots running back, not own a Patriots running back. Because Cam Newton's the running back. And it was only one week, so we haven't really seen him and James White on the field too much together. But in that one week, checking the ball down to James White wasn't a huge part of the offense. I was already kind of concerned about that. Again, that's one week, though. We still don't have enough as far as that relationship goes. But I don't know if I'm going to want to own a Patriots running back when Damian Harris comes back into the fold. Let alone think about playing one. On the Seattle side of the ball, Russell Wilson just continues to do Russell Wilson things. I mean, he threw the ball 28 times, completed 21 of them, but still has 288 yards, still has five passing touchdowns, one pick, still tacked on 39 yards on the ground. He's a cheat code. He doesn't need to throw the ball 35-plus times to have QB1 numbers. It's just plain and simple. He just doesn't need to. So, I mean, Russell Wilson, there's not really much to say other than he's doing great. And obviously, you're playing him as a QB1 every single week moving forward. Chris Carson got back on the right track this week. And I knew this was going... I wasn't sure if it was going to happen this week necessarily, but I knew this was going to ramp up in the month of September. A lot of people were kind of panicking a little bit last week when Carlos Hyde actually outcarried him by one. But I said to everybody, like, look, this is a guy who missed a lot of training camp. This is a guy who still needed to get up into game shape and we knew was going to get the bulk of the carries moving forward as he got into better game shape. That wound up being this week. Carlos Hyde had five carries in this game while Chris Carson had 17. And the big thing that I told you guys going in from last week is that we know that Chris Carson by far is the lead guy to catch the ball coming out of the backfield. So as long as that's the case, he'll be fine. And he winds up scoring a receiving touchdown in this game. Three catches, 36 yards on three targets. 72 yards on the ground, I didn't mention that. And now with some of the injuries, Chris Carson may be a guy who is not just an RB2, he may be pushing bottom tier RB1 status for the next few weeks until Christian McCaffrey, Raheem Mostert, and some of these other guys come back. So you're you're good with Chris Carson. Stan Pat, you're going to be fine. Hopefully the 17 carries put your mind at ease from week one. The wide receivers, DK Metcalf, four catches, 92 yards, a touchdown on six targets, had a big 54-yard touchdown 
to really spark everything. Talking about DK Metcalf after this matchup is very, very important to me. Because he was matched up on Stephon Gilmore for most of this game. Now, he didn't have a crazy amount of volume. But six targets when there's only 28 pass attempts to begin with, that's pretty good. But the fact that he was able to go for 92 yards and a touchdown, he was able to get a 54-yarder. He was able to burn one of the best corners in the NFL. Says to me that, you know what, DK Metcalf has officially, in my mind, become matchup proof. What corner is he going to face out there that's better than Stephon Gilmore? And he was still able to take him deep. That was Gilmore on that 54-yard touchdown. So I love DK Metcalf. He's established himself as a matchup-proof wide receiver too. Tyler Lockett, who I knew would have the better matchup on the day because he wasn't going to be seeing as much as Stephon Gilmore, was the high-targeted guy at 8. Seven catches, 67 yards. He also scored a touchdown. Tyler Lockett has to be one of the safest floor wide receivers out there. I mean, I, I came in, I was big on Tyler Lockett. I had him finishing inside the top 10 for the season. I had him as a wide receiver one because I knew that he had one of the biggest floors out there because he was going to be the guy who gets targeted the most by Russell Wilson, who's very accurate. And Tyler Lockett is just, over the past couple of years, has taken his game to a whole other level. He's a much better route runner than he was when he first came into the league. He still has that big play capability. So if they hit him on a five-yard drag route, he still has that ability to take it to the house. I love guys like that. So, I mean, you know, not much to say. You're going to keep playing DK Metcalf, keep playing Tyler Lockett. They came through for you. David Moore did have a bit of an impact in this game, but there's not really a third receiver to own. Uh, Greg Olson goosed you. Now, hopefully, I mean, Greg Olson is a guy who is outside of even really our streaming tight end territory for the most part. Hopefully, he's not a guy that you're depending on the play anyway. But he goosed you, and he is somebody that doesn't need to be owned if he happens to be on your team. So that wraps it up for the Sunday Night Recap. Before we get into the Monday Night Recap, though, I want to give a shout-out to one of our sponsors called Thrive Fantasy. Come prop up on Thrive Fantasy this season. Thrive Fantasy is a daily fantasy sports app for player props. Use promo code BELLYUP when you sign up today, and you will receive an instant $20 bonus on your first deposit of $20 or more. So download the Thrive Fantasy app today. All right, well, now we got the Monday Night Recap to talk about. What a game this was. What a surprise by the Las Vegas Raiders winning their first ever home game in Las Vegas. I got to say that Las Vegas Stadium looks really beautiful too, by the way. Definitely not worth the $5 billion. I mean, it's beautiful. I'm not knocking it. It's it's crazy. It costs that much for a stadium. I think I was most impressed with the idea that they could actually pick up and roll the field out so that we can have natural grass inside a dome and let it get sunlight. That's that's the craziest thing to me in the world. But getting to the actual fantasy football aspect of this show, we'll start on the Saints side of the ball. Drew Brees winds up giving you a fine fantasy day. A lot of it coming in garbage time in the fourth quarter where they just kind of just let him throw it out. So he winds up getting you over 300 yards, gets you to touchdown, he gets the interception. But the storyline for Drew Brees really has to be that it was a yet another week where he frankly didn't look sharp. Frankly, Drew Brees, to me, once again, looked pretty inaccurate for most of this game. Very unlike him, kind of like week one. Kind of looks like a guy who's lacking arm strength, kind of looking like a guy who can't quite get the ball down the field. And it's coming back to hurt him. And they definitely missed Michael Thomas. That was definitely an aspect of this game. But 
and I don't want to take anything away from the Raiders, but the Saints, at the end of the day, are the ones that beat themselves in this matchup. I mean, the penalties were absolutely ridiculous, just to kind of speak to the game itself. But Drew Brees, he'll be better with Mike Thomas, but I do worry about him when they start to play some tougher defenses down the stretch, especially when they are on the road. I don't know if Drew Brees is going to be all that trustworthy. That's always the question with him to begin with, right? Can you trust Drew Brees when he's on the road? My initial reaction to this season was yes. I mean, I have Drew Brees in my top 10. I had him close to the top five. Because I believe the addition of Emmanuel Sanders, the extra development of Traquan Smith, the building chemistry with Jared Cook, and of course having Michael Thomas and Alvin Kamara, was going to lead Drew Brees to having one of his great offensive seasons. Maybe not necessarily close to 5,000 yards like he, like he used to do back in the day, but I have him going for over 30 touchdowns in this matchup because I had the efficiency the touchdowns would be there with the extra weapons. I don't know. We'll see when Michael Thomas comes back. We'll see as the season wears on and maybe Drew Brees needs to loosen up a little bit. Typically speaking, though, a veteran quarterback, he's not going to get better as the season wears on. But this is something we're going to have to keep our eye on. Like I said, for fantasy purposes, this was a matchup that you wanted to play Drew Brees even without Michael Thomas, and he still wound up giving you a decent fantasy day. But it wasn't great. And it wasn't... It just it just wasn't as many touchdowns as you would have expected. It just didn't look good. His statistical numbers, his fantasy day is gonna is a lot better than what he looked like, frankly. Mary redeemed a fifty thousand dollar cash prize playing Chumba Casino this year. I was only playing for fun, so winning this was a dream come true. Chumba Casino is America's number one social casino experience. It's serious fun with over eighty casino style games to choose from. You too could win life changing amounts of cash. Be like Mary. Log on to chumbacasino.com and give them a whirl. That's chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void or prohibited by law. Eighteen plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The voice in the preceding commercial was not the actual voice of a winner. When Shopify says you can sell anywhere, oh, they mean it. Ooh, hold up. Just got a new sale, order fulfilled, and shipped. Inventory level's good. Whoa, Shopify doesn't mind if you're at sea level. Or on top of the world. Oh, you can run and grow your business anywhere. Climbing mountains is never easy, but at least Shopify gives me all the tools I need for my business to hit new beats. Whether you're selling carabiners or crop tops, start selling with Shopify today and join the platform simplifying commerce for millions of businesses worldwide. We've built the platform so you can keep climbing and grow your business to new heights. With Shopify, you really can sell to anyone from anywhere. This is Possibility, powered by Shopify. Start selling online today. Sign up for a free trial at shopify.com slash free22. Shopify.com slash free22. Shopify.com slash free22. Internet connection required. Not available on mountaintops or seafloors. Speaking of guys who disappointed, who actually disappointed, not just from an NFL standpoint, but from a fantasy standpoint, Emmanuel Sanders. I mean, this guy, you were looking your chops. You were thinking you had at least a low-end wide receiver two heading into Monday Night Football against the Las Vegas Raiders. That's what you were thinking with Emmanuel Sanders heading in this game. He wound up with three targets, one catch for 18 yards. That catch came on the last drive of the game in complete garbage time when the game was well in hand. One catch, 18 yards. Am I dropping Emmanuel Sanders? I'm not dropping him until Michael Thomas comes back. And, you know, Michael Thomas was pushing to play this week. 
I would not say it's outside the realm of possibility that Michael Thomas comes back this week. It would still be really soon for a high ankle sprain. And I do, even if you are a main, uh, I'm sorry, if you're a Michael Thomas owner, which I am in a couple of leagues, I would rather have him come back when he's actually recovered and healthy rather than risk him being out on the field where I have to decide, am I going to play him because he could be nothing more than a decoy or possibly re-aggravate that injury. We saw last year what happened to Saquon when he came back too soon. He was never the same for the rest of the season. I don't want to see that happen to Michael Thomas. I would rather him at least sit this week as well. And then maybe in week four, when he's three weeks removed from the injury, then we'll decide on how healthy are you feeling. Are you recovering rapidly? If the Saints know it's good for him, they won't play him this week. So I'm not going to drop Emmanuel Sanders until Michael Thomas comes back, but the second Michael Thomas comes back, yeah. Because this looked like Traquan Smith. As far as the wide receivers go, seven targets, five catches, 86 yards. He looked good in this game. Now, this is a great matchup. And they got tougher matchups ahead. But Traquan Smith is definitely going to have my vote of confidence when it comes to the wide receivers of the Saints moving into week three over Emmanuel Sanders. That much I can guarantee you. Now, this isn't to say that Emmanuel Sanders isn't going to find himself getting more involved. We've only had two weeks of it. He did score a touchdown last week. But even last year when he scored a touchdown, he wasn't greatly involved outside of that. So maybe the Emmanuel Sanders that we thought we were going to see coming off the Achilles injury last year is the one we're going to get this year. I don't know. I have to imagine better days are ahead. I still think he's a very good, veteran-savvy wide receiver. But through two weeks, I don't see how you have much confidence in Emmanuel Sanders. Like I said, until Michael Thomas comes back, I'm not dropping him. But I'm not playing him right now either. And you can fairly ask yourself the question, if you can't play Emmanuel Sanders while Michael Thomas is out, then why should he be on your roster? And that's going to be fair. That's, that's a fair question to ask. But I wouldn't drop him just yet in case Michael Thomas does go four weeks and maybe Emmanuel Sanders is able to pick it up after this week. We'll have to see. But right now, Traquan Smith, to me, is the Saints wide receiver to own. Now, the big target on the day was Alvin Kamara. Alvin Kamara was everything. Alvin Kamara was the Saints offense in this matchup. Nine catches for 95 yards on nine targets. Just receiving. Just receiving. 13 carries for 79 yards rushing and two rushing touchdowns in this game. With Christian McCaffrey expected to miss the next three to five weeks, with Saquon Barkley out for the season... Alvin Kamara is in position to compete to be the RB1 of the year. I mean, you figure it's probably going to come down to him and Ezekiel Elliott, no? Maybe Derrick Henry once he gets going later on in the season. But Alvin Kamara is in position here to compete with Ezekiel Elliott, I believe, for the RB1 on, on the season. Barring injury, knock on wood, after the red Sunday that we just had. The big surprise to me, honestly, was that Latavius Murray was not involved in this game. I thought against the Raiders could be a revenge situation. You knew they are going to lean on the rushing attack with no Michael Thomas. But the Raiders made this a more competitive game than I think the Saints were expecting. This was all tied up heading into half. And then the Raiders came out and took the lead in the third quarter. And never looked back for the rest of the second half. So maybe Latavius Murray would have gotten going in the second half more so. But because the Saints actually wound up trailing for an entire half of football in this one, he never really got going. He only got three carries in this game. 
it just shows you he's going to be a very high risk flex guy. Do I think he'll have more weeks like he did in week one where he had 15 carries rather than weeks where he gets three carries? Yes, I do. But he's a high-risk flex guy. And if he doesn't find the end zone, I don't know how much of a ceiling Latavius Murray has on any given week. So that's the other thing I have to think you have to take into consideration when moving forward. Obviously, if you're an Alvin Kamara owner, you have a chance to own Latavius Murray. You absolutely should. You saw what happened last year when that presented itself. I think Murray is still somebody who's going to be considered more times than not a bottom-end flex play. But he's definitely not somebody who you can have had any confidence moving forward because this should have been a prime matchup for him. And it just shows you he might be very game-script dependent. And without Michael Thomas, they might not be in as many pro-game scripts as you would think. Now, the defense is going to play better, too. So you also have to take that into consideration when thinking about Latavius Murray. But somebody who needs to be on your benches until further notice, frankly. I can't say enough about how great Kamara was in this game. Absolutely phenomenal. We move over to the Raiders' side of the ball. Derek Carr had a very nice game. 282 yards, three touchdowns. I think what was most impressive about this performance was that this is a good Saints defense. They didn't play like a good Saints defense, in the Monday night game, but this is a good Saints defense. And the offense with just the elements of Henry Ruggs and the safety blanket that is Darren Waller, and we're going to get to him in a second, it looked like a very good offense. Now, does Derek Carr become a streaming quarterback? No. Because we know what Derek Carr is. He'll have games like this, and then when you actually go to play him in a plus matchup, he disappears. This is still, I believe, a run-first team. Josh Jacobs had 27 carries in this game for 88 yards. He actually got banged up a little bit in this one. Had to keep coming out, was getting worked out on the sideline, the training staff, especially in the fourth quarter. The good news is he was able to come in, he was able to finish this game, he was able to close out the game. And they leaned on him to close out the game too. So whatever it is, it's not serious, that's for sure. I wouldn't be surprised if Josh Jacobs missed practice on Wednesday and maybe was limited on Thursday. So it might be a late practice week for Josh Jacobs, but I don't think it's anything we have to worry about as far as the availability going into week three. 27 carries, 88 yards. Again, this is a tough matchup. This is not an easy Saints defense to run on. I didn't expect a big week out of Josh Jacobs. Still would like to see him get a a little bit more involved in the passing game, but he had three targets, three catches on 17 yards. It wasn't like Jalen Richard was heavily involved in the passing game. In fact, he didn't even receive a target in this matchup. So he was still the lead targeted guy as far as the running backs are concerned. As long as he continues to be a part of the passing game, this guy's going to have one of the highest floors, and he's always the threat to score. Josh Jacobs is going to be a high-end RB2, low-end RB1 rest of the season with some of these injuries too. Richard did score in this game, but it was a nice play design. It was kind of an afterthought. He's not... This doesn't, you know, help his fantasy value moving forward, other than being a handcuff to Josh Jacobs. The big story on the day for the Raiders side of the ball was Darren Waller, man. Twelve catches, 103 yards, a touchdown, sixteen targets. You want to know who the next most targeted Raiders pass catcher was in this game? It was a tie between Hunter Renfro. Josh Jacobs and Henry Ruggs, all for three targets apiece. 16 to 3. That was the discrepancy in the targets for this game. Darren Waller looking like the Wallers from last year. 
And the big thing was he actually found the end zone in this game, something he couldn't do last year very often. Is one of the things that people worried about. Well, if he doesn't get the volume and he's still not a red zone target, what happens then? But he came up big in his game, again, in a tough matchup. This was not a pro, a pro matchup for the Raiders' fantasy weapons. Obviously, he's a tight end one moving forward, and he was going into this game to begin with. You were going to play Darren Waller. You just had to temper your expectations. But so much for tempering. He goes off. And the besides the week, besides Red Sunday, besides the week of the injuries, it was also the week of the tight ends. That continued in this matchup. So that's good to see moving forward. Henry Ruggs, one catch, four yards, three targets. Better days are ahead. Remember, he's coming to this game. He wasn't 100%. Tough matchup against a good Saints secondary. Better days are ahead for Henry Ruggs. They take they took a couple of shots to him in this one. He's going to hit home runs in certain weeks. He's, I mean, he, to me, I don't know, other than Deshaun Jackson's in position right now to get more targets because of where the Eagles are at, I don't know really if there's a big difference between a Henry Ruggs and a Deshaun Jackson. They're a guy that just, they just need one catch to go off. That's it. That's all they need. And because he's always going to be that second starting receiver with Brian Edwards and Hunter Redfro out there in games that he's not limited like he was in this one, I think he's going to have more volume headed his way. But this was just, it was just dominated by Darren Waller in this matchup. So Henry Ruggs is definitely somebody that you know you hold on to. You know you have a home run threat in your lineup. When the matchup presents itself, don't be afraid to try to hit that home run with Henry Ruggs because you're using him as such. The guy that nobody owns, I'm not going to hit the, the dump button on, but the guy that I was big on coming into the season I thought could be a sleeper for people, Brian Edwards, through two weeks, he can't be rosterable. He just he has, hasn't been involved. Now, he actually had the second most receiving yards, but still it was only two targets, two catches. He's only had three targets through two weeks. Even though he's a starting wide receiver, even though he should be a red zone threat, he is nothing fantasy-wise as of right now. Hunter Renfro shouldn't be owned either as far as that goes. I love Josh Jacobs. I love Darren Waller. And I would have Henry Ruggs on my be- on my roster, on my bench, until the matchup presented itself. Other than that, I'm still not owning another Raiders player. But it was impressive in this game against a good Saints defense that they were able to move the ball the way that they were and that their studs were still able to play and play well. That's the good thing moving forward. Nothing else to really go over in this game. Thankfully, we were able to get out of the Monday night game without there being another injury. So we're going to go ahead. We got a big waiver wire segment we got to get into. Before we do that, I got a shout out to one of our sponsors called Trophy Smack. You all know him. Commemorate your league winner in the best possible way. At Trophy Smack, create trophies, belts, and rings with free engraving and shipping. Now you can get a free ring with your purchase of a trophy or belt if you use the promo code BELLYUPTODAY. Now it is time for the waiver wire report. Now it is time for the biggest segment of today's show. Now it is time to help you guys get prepared for week three and move forward from Red Sunday. So just before we get started here, again, just to reiterate, in case you guys missed the show last week, in case you're new to the show in general, what we do here is that we take the guys who are on average less than 50% owned. So if it's it's taken from ESPN, CBS Sports, Yahoo, uh, and, and NFL. And we take that all together, we put guys into an average, and the ones that are less than 50% on average own between the major platforms, so hopefully that covers most of the people listening to this show. 
you'll know that these guys are widely available to you in your leagues most likely. And it probably, probably even if you play anywhere else, they're, they're probably guys that are most likely available to you as well. But we don't put these in any particular order. What I do is I start from the top, meaning I start from the guys who are the most owned on average that are under 50% owned. And then we work our way down. I don't really put my guys into a particular order. When we go through and we go through the analysis, I will tell you exactly what players are the ones that are my priorities over the other ones. And you know what I would spend on fab budget, what I would spend on priority on, or if they're guys that I like to be picked up, but aren't necessarily guys that I'm going to be looking to put the claim in for Tuesday night. So we're going to talk about a litany of guys this week crazy amount of guys this week some surprises some not and we'll get through all of it so that way you guys are fully prepared heading into your week threes getting your rosters set and getting some assets on your team we talked about that earlier picking up key waiver players they don't necessarily just have to be to help your team win this week or or help your team down the road it could be assets to be traded elsewhere to people who did not get them or were not able to pick them up because you were able to either beat them to the punch or you outbid them but they would still be willing to trade you a valuable player for that person. So it's about acquiring assets first and foremost, whether you need them this week or need them for the next couple of weeks, or you just want to use them as trade bait. It's all all avenues, all strategies of fantasy football. So we're going to start off, like I said, with the top, and the top is Daryl Henderson at 44% owned on average. This is somebody who was dropped in a lot of leagues after week one. Not surprising, I did warn everybody this was going to be a three-way committee. I wasn't, you know, I wasn't mad if you dropped Daryl Henderson because in a three-way committee where a guy looks like he might be the third link, uh, I don't know how many pieces of that you really want to have. But in Daryl Henderson's case, being that he's 44% available, or I should say 44% owned, 56% available, Cam Akers, rib injury, we don't know how long he's going to be out for. It does sound like it's definitely going to be at least this week. We still haven't gotten a full timeline as of recording this show Monday night because this is when this show is recording so you guys can get to listen to this uh, earlier on Tuesday. So hope, hope we may know by afternoon Tuesday. Make sure you're following me on at BellyUpMDFFShow for all those Twitter news, player news update notifications. I just have to have those notifications you know, linked on. So Cam Akers is probably definitely going to miss this week, though. That's, that's kind of what we do know as of recording this. So Daryl Henderson is going to come in. Now, he got the bulk of the work because Malcolm Brown hurt his finger. And we found out today that was because he fractured his pinky, which was fixed today. So Malcolm Brown's going to be available. Malcolm Brown's going to be the lead back. He's going to be the goal line back. But what I expect to see happen is I expect to start to see Daryl Henderson be more involved in the passing game and start to establish himself in that capacity which is something that I thought he might do coming into the season. When they're talking about this being a three-man carousel, the one of the reasons I didn't get too excited about Cam Akers, I thought Daryl Henderson actually might be the guy who's more of the passing down back, quite frankly. That, that was definitely something within the realm of possibility. I think we're going to get to see that starting this week, being that he's going to be paired up with Malcolm Brown, quite frankly. So he's somebody that we definitely have in the waiver wire report. But remember, Cam Akers isn't going to be out for the year. This will still turn into a three-man committee. He's not going to be the goal line guy. It's still going to be Malcolm Brown. He's not going to get the bulk of the carries. It's still going to be Malcolm Brown. So I'm not looking, especially in this particular week where you might be spending a good chunk of your fab budget, depending on what kind of situation you're in with some of these guys that are available. I'm not going to advise you to go after Daryl Henderson, you know, full guns blazing. 
If you have a top priority, that's not who I'm spending it on. If you and you have your fab budget, I'm probably going to wait to see if I can get Daryl Henderson for maybe 10% of my budget because it's just going to get spent elsewhere this week. Plain and simple. So those are things to kind of take in consideration, but he does need to be a guy who is owned at least until Cam Akers comes back because this offense, because they don't have a true big play threat, is leaning on the ground game more to try to set up their offense. They're leaning on the running backs more to set up their offense. So he's somebody who's going to be a flex potential guy, especially if he's able to establish himself in the passing game like we expect that he might be able to. My next guy, Janu Smith, 40% owned, is a guy that, had, a, of course, he had a big week, and he's going to be widely owned after this week. If you've been streaming tight ends, you have to go after this guy pretty hard. I would spend my priority on him. I would spend maybe 15 20% of my fab budget on him because getting a guy like John New Smith means that you no longer have to stream tight end. This is a guy who's going to have top 12 potential every single week he's out there. So instead of having to go through the rigmarole of looking and searching for a tight end that you want to get a top 10 performance out of and you're trying to do this all matchup based, you pick up John New Smith. I mean, he was one of my big sleepers coming into the season. He was somebody that I told people to draft late because I thought he's going to be able to fill that role. He's going to have top 12 potential any given week. Now, his obviously his, his fantasy floor, his fantasy values is amplified by A.J. Brown being out because he becomes more of a red zone target. But remember, eight, week one, A.J. Brown's in the game. John New Smith still walked away with a touchdown. He's going to be a red zone threat every single week. That's not going to change. Are you going to have big games like this all the time? No, he's not a top three tight end. But you're not going to have to stream anymore. And he's going to be a guy who can compete with those top guys and give you top 10 performances more times than not. So he's a pretty important waiver wire pickup that not a lot of people are talking about this week. For, for Understandably so with some of the running backs that we're going to get into. But he is somebody who can be very vital to your teams moving forward. Next guy, he's going to be one of my top streamers of the week. I was surprised that he's this widely available. That's Ryan Tannehill. He comes in at 35% owned. So it means he is pretty available to you guys out there. He was a top 10 quarterback in my rankings last week. He you know, definitely produced top 10 results. And at least for this week again, they have another good matchup. I'm going with Ryan Tannehill again. He's going to be one of my top streamers of the week uh, this week as well. So definitely pick up Ryan Tannehill if you've been looking to stream quarterbacks anyway. Lucky Land Casino, asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car, before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. It's wintertime. When temperatures go down, the likelihood goes up that your furnace and other appliances go down with them. So don't risk a costly replacement. Stay comfortable with coverage on the appliances you depend on most with the Service Guard Appliance Repair Program from Black Hills Energy. It's peace of mind in a plan. Visit blackhillsenergy.com slash sign up to learn more. Or if you've been having trouble with yours, depending on who it is, maybe Drew Brees wasn't looking quite as sharp. 
go ahead and pick up Ryan Tannehill and play him this week. He's going to be a top 10 guy. Now, in Ryan Tannehill's case, this is a perfect example of a guy that I think you should go pick up. I think you should roster. I think you should stream him. But given the situation at the waiver wire, I'm not going to spend a priority, and I'm not going to spend a fat budget on him either. I'm going to get him later in the week for free. I'm going to try to get him on Wednesday after waivers clear. That's going to be that's, he's going to be one of those guys who falls into that category because I don't think people are going to be just too focused on getting who their streaming quarterback of the week is going to be this week. I don't think it's going to be the main focus. So I think he is somebody you can wait until after waivers clear and get him for free on a Wednesday if you're going to be streaming quarterback, especially if you're in 10-12 team leagues. Next guy up, Chase Edmonds, 31% owned. If you're a Kenyon Drake owner, you have to find a way to make a roster spot and own Chase Edmonds. Plain and simple. If Kenyon Drake goes down, Chase Edmonds is going to be a high-end RB2. I'm telling you that right now. He fits his offense well. He's a good player. I know Kenyon Drake's getting all the touches, yet does Chase Edmonds have standalone value? Not necessarily. He is involved to some degree, but not enough where you're going to play him in the flex unless you're in a super deep league. But we just saw Red Sunday. And while Kenyon Drake wasn't one of the guys who got hurt, he is somebody that does have a respectable enough reason to suspect that he might not be the most durable guy, that he might not make 16 games this year. I love Kenyon Drake. I didn't project him for 16 games this year. He's not built to be a bell cow. Well, let's put it this way. He's not built to be a bell cow that I believe or feel confident in definitely making his 16 games. We'll put it that way. Not that he, he can't do it. I don't want to say that, but I, I don't have as much... Faith, I don't have as much confidence in him doing it as I would, let's say, to Ezekiel Elliott or Derrick Henry of that nature. So Chase Edmonds, to me, is a must-own handcuff. If Red Sunday taught you anything, is that you want to have the handcuffs to some of your top running backs going into your following weeks. Because now, all of a sudden, you have to make this scrounge for the waiver wire, and it's just going to be a pain for everybody involved. And there's going to be a lot of Christian McCaffrey owners out there, Saquon Barkley owners out there, uh, who am I missing? Raheem Mostert owners out there who are not going to be able to get the guys that they want to be able to get this week. So learn that lesson. This next guy, I could not believe that he was only 34% owned on average. I, I thought it was a joke. I thought it was because after the week that he had in week one, I thought for sure he was going to get picked up by every single league out there. That's Joshua Kelly. Joshua Kelly's still 34% owned. Meaning seventy, what sixty six percent available on average in those leagues out there. Look right away, Joshua Kelly. He would be my number one waiver part. It's not Mike Davis. It's not Jarek McKinnon. It's not. It's not you know the prospect of Devontae Freeman signing with the Giants. We're gonna get into all that in a little bit. It's Joshua Kelly. It's the guy who just had twenty three carries against the Kansas City Chiefs. It was the guy who had 12 carries for 60 yards and a touchdown in week one. On a team, it's going to be, whether it's Justin Herbert, whether it's Tyrod Taylor, this is a run-first Chargers offense. I don't think there's any question about that at this point. Give me Joshua Kelly. This is a guy you can plug and play, I believe, as an RB2 every single week. Is he touchdown dependent to some degree? Kind of. Because he's not as involved in the passing game as Austin Eckler's going to be necessarily, but... He's an RB too, especially with everything going on right now. Joshua Kelly's my number one pickup of the week because somehow he's still thirty-four. He's only thirty-four percent owned on average. I couldn't believe it. Pick up Joshua Kelly. 
Russell Gage is another guy who should be gaining. Now, he he had a big jump. He was on our waiver wire report last week at 3%. He jumped up to 20%. So I'd like to think that's because people were listening to this show, but I will be uh, self-aware enough to know that we can't make a 17% jump across all platforms. But maybe we'll get there someday. Maybe the Worldwide Sports Radio Network will uh, help us get there. But yeah. Russell Gage, again, had another solid game, finds the end zone again. They had him on trick plays. They had him throwing the football. Hell, if Julio Jones hadn't dropped that 50-yard bomb, Russell Gage would have had a 50-yard touchdown pass in this game. So he's involved in the offense. He's he's definitely hands down in an offense that has enough volume to feed five guys. He's very much a part of that rotation. He's very much involved in the offense. He is somebody who is a is a high-end wide receiver four. And because the Falcons are are the way they are right now, and because their defense is the way they are right now, he, he might be one of the most consistent wide receiver fours you're ever going to see, maybe pushing into low-end wide receiver three territory. I hesitate putting him there because it's still a small sample size that we see him succeeding at this level, but the the path is there for him to be a wide receiver three, to be a guy that you can go ahead and play and know that you're going to get solid production out of almost on a week-to-week basis just because of the game script that's going to be following the Atlanta Falcons all throughout the season. So that that's where I would definitely be confident in definitely needing to own Russell Gage, and depending on the matchups, maybe not even, He's somebody you can go ahead and play as your wide receiver three, as your flex play. So it definitely needs to be rostered. 20%, we're going to see that number jump up again uh, even more this week. Now, my my mistake, I need to go back to Cali and then hit Russell Gage, exactly what I would spend on them as far as fab and priority. I didn't do that. So Joshua Kelly, I'm spending 50% of my, my fab budget on him. That's who I'm going after. That's who that's who's worth it because this is a guy who has a role all season long in an offense that's going to be featured around the running back. He's going to get the production. He's the guy I want more than anybody is Joshua Kelly. So if he's available in my league, which none of the leagues I'm in, he's available, but apparently he is available out there at a lot of yours, I will spend 50% of my fab budget to go get him and make sure I have him. I will spend my top priority for Joshua Kelly. Russell Gage. He's a guy that I'm gonna let. I'm I'm gonna want to pick him up, but it's gonna want to be for free. I'm not gonna spend my fab budget. I'm not gonna waste my priority on him. You're still talking about a wide receiver four, maybe low end wide receiver three at the end of the day. That that's not something you're gonna go ahead and break the bank on or waste your priority on. Gardner Minshew, 19% owned. This one is very bittersweet for me. If you listen to this show at all, you know that I am not a fan of Gardner Minshew. Not a fan. I'm not not a fan of him as a person. Or as a character, I think he is entertaining and delightful in that sense. But I'm not a fan of him and the idea that this is somehow a starting NFL quarterback for years to come. I don't buy it. I don't buy into the talent. Although I have to say through the first two weeks, I don't have much room, much of a leg to stand on when it comes to that side of the argument. Other than it's a banged up Tennessee defense. They didn't have a Dory Jackson the secondary to be taken advantage of. And the Colts are going to be one of the worst defenses by the end of the year. I can pretty much guarantee you that. I know they just had a nice showing against the Minnesota Vikings, but that had more to do with the Vikings than it did with the Colts. So, but going into this week, Gardner Minshew is going to be going up against the Miami Dolphins on Thursday Night Football, who Ryan Fitzpatrick just lit up. And I do think Gardner Minshew is better than Ryan Fitzpatrick. So, yeah, Gardner Minshew is definitely going to be one of my streaming quarterbacks this week. 
without a doubt. Again, like Ryan Tannehill, though, I'm not going to spend my top priority. I am not going to spend fab budget on him. I'm going to get him after waivers clear for free. And that's kind of why, because those guys are, are available in a lot of your leagues. You should be able to get one of the two. Now, the next up, this guy kicks off our running back conversation. Jarek McKinnon, 18% owned on average. This is a guy, so we're going to use McKinnon to kind of kick off the Deion Lewis, Devonta Freeman, Mike Davis conversation at, at, at this at this point in the, in the waiver wire segment. So here, here's what we have to lead off and say with this. I, I went back, I studied, I was like, okay, everyone's going to want to know which one of these guys should they be picking up first. And I think it greatly depends on the situation you're in. Obviously, if you're an owner of Christian McCaffrey, if you're an owner of Saquon Barkley, if you're an owner of Raheem Mostert, your first inclination is to go ahead and get that guy's handcuff. I mean, why? Not just because of what the value they bring to you while your guy is out, but because you'll protect yourself for the rest of the season once your guy comes back. That's the idea. So that's going to be your first inclination. That's not a bad inclination to go with either, by the way. But I do think you need to look at it from a wider perspective in some situations. And if, you want to, if you're somebody who doesn't have any of those guys and you just want to know who the most valuable one is, well, I took a look at some of their schedules. And if you're 0-2 and you're hurting on firepower and you really need, feel like you need to get a win this week to pull yourself out of the hole a little bit and to try to get back on track... Jared McKinnon's actually going to be the guy that you want to pick up out of this group. Because he gets to play the Giants this week. Now, after that, I had it pulled up here for a second ago. Uh, So they definitely get to play the New York Giants right off the bat. Now, the other tidbit with Jared McKinnon, this news came out a little bit later, so it is maybe debatable if you actually are aware of it or not. Tevin Coleman also hurt his knee, also going to be out for multiple weeks. Now, as of recording this again on Monday night, we don't have the exact timeline. Apparently, there was a truck delay, and a lot of the 49er MRI results, and they had a bunch of them. You know, they had Mostert and Tevin Coleman and Nick Bosa and Solomon Thomas and Jimmy Garoppolo. A bunch of the MRI results got delayed, so we didn't get everyone's timeline diagnosis when we were expecting to earlier on Monday. We do expect to have that sometime during the time Tuesday. So by the time you're listening to this podcast, there's a very good chance that we're going to know that. Again, follow us on Twitter at BellyUpMDFFShow for all those player news update notifications because we'll update you as we get updated. So apparently that was the big delay, though, as far as actually figuring out the timeline of some of these guys. But the important part here to remember is that Tevin Coleman is going to miss for multiple weeks. So is Raheem Mostert. So heading into this Sunday against the New York Giants, which is, you know, everyone knows is a great matchup, first and foremost. Jarek McKinnon is going to be the lead guy. Now, does that mean he's going to get 20 carries? Probably not. Jeffrey Wilson Jr. is going to be involved in this game. And usually speaking, when Wilson is actually involved in the game plan, they'll turn to him to be the goal line back, which is fine. Look, Jeremy Kinnon has scored each of the first two weeks of the season while being the third fiddle, while only having three carries apiece for the last two games. So it's not something that should really sway you in any kind of capacity. He's somebody who's already shown big playability. He had the big, what, 50-yard run or so uh, this past week against the Jets. 
and a plus match with the New York Giants where he'll definitely be, if nothing else, he'll definitely be the lead pass catcher as well as probably split the carry work with Wilson. He's shown that he looks healthy enough to be McKinnon, who's explosive, you can expect big plays out of. And if the one good news is that the one aspect of the 49ers offense that didn't get hurt was the offensive line. There is some hope that Jimmy Garoppolo will be able to play. But whether it's Jimmy Garoppolo this week or it's Nick Mullins, this 49ers offense, is their running attack is going to be their biggest weapon moving forward. We still don't know if they're going to have George Kittle this week. There's a possibility he might not go this week. They talked about that. There was a comment about that from Kyle Shanahan today. They said, due to the condition on MetLife Stadium, remember they just played the Jets and they're, they're staying in New York because they have to play the Giants at MetLife Stadium again next week. They said they might not fly George Kittle out. They might not take the chance on that field and the condition of that field, which is pretty sad because it's New York. You spent over a billion dollars building that stadium. You're telling me the field is that bad a condition that you can't maintain it? That's pretty crappy, but that's a whole other story for a whole different kind of show. So we don't know if we're going to have George Kittle. They're, just, they're going to have to lean on the rushing attack like they did against the Jets to be their main weapon in this game. And like I said, with Tevin Coleman not going to be available and, and Raheem Mostert not going to be available, Jerry McKinnon and Jeffrey Wilson Jr., I expect them to split the carries and McKinnon will be the guy who's involved on the passing downs. And he'll be the guy that who's going to look to hit the home run. So if you're sitting there 0-2, McKinnon has the best matchup because you got Mike Davis who has to go play the Chargers this week. And then the Giants who are playing San Francisco. Now, this is a banged-up San Francisco defense now, of course, because you have you know Nick Bosa's done for the year, Solomon Thomas is done for the year. So this is a more vulnerable San Francisco front than what they may have looked like on paper previously. But it's still not necessarily an off the defense that I want to go after and attack. And as we've seen from the Giants' offensive line, this is still an offensive line that needs to improve. This is still an offensive line that is melding. And on top of it, and we'll speak to this with the Giants real quick and kind of get into that before we get into the fab and the priorities for these guys. We don't know exactly who the back's going to be for New York. Devonta Freeman is going to come in for a workout. I would be... Shocked, And again, this is another thing that by the time you're listening to this podcast, he may have already officially signed. But I would be absolutely shocked if Devonta Freeman did not walk away with a contract after his workout with the Giants. I would just be shocked. If he did, then I think it would be clear to everybody involved that he must be just be asking for too much money. There's no way. And for Freeman's sake, if he really wants an opportunity to prove that he's not done, that he can still play in this league and he still deserves somebody else to sign him moving past this season, well, the Giants are going to be the best place to do that because the Giants are going to be the only place that you are probably guaranteed the bulk of the carries for the rest of the season if you sign there. Nowhere else is that going to be the case. I heard the 49ers kicked around, and that does make sense to some degree, except that when you look at it, as what's going on in their situation, where he most or Tevin Coleman will come back at some point. So I don't see Devontae Freeman going there. It doesn't make sense in the long run. It would only make sense for like a month. New York's the only place where you're definitely going to be the guy the rest of the year, like I said, as far as the carries go. Which brings me kind of to my second point. If Devontae Freeman were to sign 
on Tuesday with the New York Giants. It would be, first of all, his first week in there. Now, we've seen what running backs, they can come in, they can sign, and within a week, you know, be effective. But the other question is going to be, who's doing the passing down work? I mean, they brought Deion Lewis in this season to be able to utilize him in that capacity when spelling Saquon Barkley. And look at his past week, and they have Wayne Gallman on the roster, but he was inactive because they felt pretty good about what Deion Lewis brought to the table to use him as the complimentary back. His big thing is catching the football. Now, I've always been a big believer that Devontae Freeman can be a good pass catcher in his own right, but it's been a while since we've seen him be the main pass catcher. Even in Atlanta, he wasn't the main guy now, as far as receiving goes. So we don't even know. We're not 100% sure here exactly how that split will work between Freeman, Lewis, and you have to figure Gallman's going to be involved in some degree too because Gallman is somebody who has had success when he was made to be the guy. Now, I don't expect him to be the guy. Like I said, if Freeman signs, he'll be the guy that we expect to get the most carries out of, but I think there's going to be a huge question mark as who is the main passing down back. And that's going to matter because if this Giants offensive line is not going to open up a lot of holes... That's going to really limit the value of Devontae Freeman if he's not also at least 50% involved as far as the running back targets go. So you could pick up Devontae Freeman because he might have the most season-long value, but it's not going to be great. And when you look at the Giants' schedule, it's brutal. It's absolutely brutal. You had the 49ers this week, which again, vulnerable but still not great. The Rams in week four, which isn't great, isn't necessarily the the death of your running back, but isn't great. Dallas, who has a strong front seven, hard to run on. Washington, who has a strong front seven, hard to run on. Philadelphia was one of the worst run defenses to have to go up against. When I I say worst, I mean one of the worst for your running back to have to go up against. Tampa Bay is one of the best run defenses. Uh, Then you get Washington again, and then you get Philadelphia again, and then it's bye week. The... The first game that you would feel comfortable playing any Giants running back wouldn't really come until Week 12 when they play the Cincinnati Bengals. And then if you're looking at the championship and playoff weeks, well, then you got the Cleveland Browns, who I haven't talked about this on the show yet, but it is something that I've kind of observed the first two weeks. I think they're going to be turning into one of the top-run defenses in the NFL. Just look what they did the first two weeks. I mean, the Ravens didn't have great success running the football against them uh, on that Week 1. And Joe Mixon was bottled up pretty well, for the most part, on week two. So the Cleveland Browns might wind up finishing as a defense as one of the topper-end rush defenses. Oh, and then, by the way, championship week, they play Baltimore. So I pretty much count, like, three games, maybe four, that I'm even going to be comfortable playing whoever the top giant running back is. Mary redeemed a $50,000 cash prize playing Chumba Casino this year. I was only playing for fun, so winning this was a dream come true. Chumba Casino is America's number one social casino experience. It's serious fun. With over 80 casino-style games to choose from, you too could win life-changing amounts of cash. Be like Mary. Log on to ChumbaCasino.com and give them a whirl. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void or prohibited by law. 18+. plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The voice in the preceding commercial was not the actual voice of a winner. That's not a lot. It's another reason why I said Jared McKinnon to me takes the lead over whoever it winds up being. Now, if it's Freeman or if it's Lewis, then yes, they need to be signed. And if Lewis winds up being the passing down back, 
then he does need to be owned in half-point and full-point PPR leagues as a possible flex play if that's going to be his specialized role. But he's got to be getting at least 75% of the targets from the running back position. I don't, I don't mean 75 targets overall. When I say I mean 75% of the running back targets. He's got to be getting that much of a clip. He's got to, he's got to be the, the guy, the pass catcher, for him to even have that kind of flex value in half-point and full-point PPR leagues. Whoever the pass catcher is, they're the only ones who are going to be able to have value in some of these tough matchups. But the Giants have a brutal schedule. So before we talk about the fat budget and priority for them, we'll talk about Mike Davis. Now, in Mike Davis' situation, Christian McCaffrey, his timeline as of right now is three to five weeks. I feel like Christian McCaffrey is going to find a way to come back before that. You already heard him today. He's like, that's a challenge to me. He is superhuman. He is one of the most dedicated NFL players you're ever going to see. It just would not surprise me he's able to find a way to come back from that. It really wouldn't. So let's just say he misses three weeks. Let's say he comes back on the three-week timeline rather than the five-week timeline. Well, the Chargers, I'm sorry, the Chargers, the Panthers, they don't have the greatest of schedules either. Mike Davis, he's got to play against the Chargers this week, who just bottled up Clyde edwards Hiller, bottled up the, the, the Chiefs' offense in general. So it's not a great matchup heading into this week. Now, unlike the Giants situation, and even unlike Jared McKinnon to some degree, I do think Mike Davis will be a bell cow, quote-unquote. He'll get the majority of the carries. He'll get the majority of the receptions. So of all the guys, he might be looking at the most assured volume heading forward. But I don't love him against the Chargers. Now, the two weeks after that, Arizona, Atlanta, those are pretty good matchups. I I would suspect that Mike Davis could possibly give you low-end RB2 performances against Arizona and against, especially against Atlanta in Week 5. But we can't guarantee that Christian McCaffrey's going to miss any more than that. There's a good chance McCaffrey's back by Week 6 against Chicago. So, this goes back to my previous point of where are you at in your season? Are you 0-2? Do you feel like you really need a win right away? Then maybe you pick up McKinnon. If you feel like you don't necessarily need the win this week, but in the next couple of weeks, buys are starting to pick up starting week four. We've got some tougher matchups. Maybe week four, week five, Mike Davis is your guy. If you just need somebody because you have to have a season-long thing, and you find yourself in that situation where you just want somebody who's going to have the season-long value, then that's when you're going to examine the giant situation of whatever that winds up being. But McKinnon's going to be my guy, because here's the thing about McKinnon, too. You pick him up against the Giants this week, he goes off. He instantly becomes a sell-high candidate, especially to the guy who owns Raheem Mostert, if it's not you. So let's assume for a second you're not the one who owns Raheem Mostert. You pick up Jared McKinnon, and he has a big game against the Giants. I'm going right to that Raheem Mostert owner, and I'm seeing what I can sell Jared McKinnon high for. And it wouldn't just be the one owner. It's never good to have a sell-high candidate who's only valuable to one owner. If he has a big game against the Giants, especially if he looks explosive, people are going to say, like, hey, you know what? 49ers rushing attack. McKinnon looks like a home run threat. See what you could trade him for. Because Mostert is going to come back. Tim Coleman is going to come back. So the the confidence you're going to have in playing Jarek McKinnon is really 
really probably no more than a three-week window. So that's why I would turn around. Like I said, he plays the Giants. He goes off. He becomes an instant sell-high candidate. He becomes an asset that you could probably involve in some sort of trade for your team moving forward. So with Jeremy McKinnon, I'm going to look at... I don't want to blow everything because, again, it's... Like I said, I think it's a three-week period you're looking at. You know, most likely as far as his value goes. But 30-35%, I would spend my top priority on him. So I would go after McKinnon. Mike Davis, he would probably be the next guy I would go after. Again, you're probably, I think you're looking more at the three-week window rather than the five-week window. Probably would spend 30%. If I'm the Caffrey owner, I would probably maybe go up to 35. I would contemplate 40 if I thought people in my league were really going to go after him. 35 would probably be the most I would want to spend if I was McCaffrey owner. If I'm anybody else, I'm probably spending 30 to try to get him because, again, it's going to be a shorter window than not. But he's the next guy who I want to go after because he's going to have some good value, I think, come week four, week five. And I would spend my top priority on him. The Giants' backfield is where it's a whole different animal. Devonta Freeman, again, assuming he signs, I don't know that he will, but I just I would be surprised if he did it. Assuming he signs, and we're looking at Freeman being the lead back, I would probably spend 25% of my fab, and I would give up my priority to go get him. I w- would maybe, if you're in a fab league, I would probably give up 10 to 15%, maybe closer to 10% on Deion Lewis. If they sign Devonta Freeman, Deion Lewis is not going to be a guy that's heavily sought after. And even if he is, he's not going to be a guy that I want to pay up for. As because of what I just, that schedule I just laid out for you guys just a minute ago. So that's kind of what I'm looking at there. And then with Lewis, yeah, you're, he's not going to be my top priority guy. So if you're already spending your priority anyway, once you have the number one waiver priority, and you're going to spend it on one player, I'm good with just having a litany of waiver claims if you have the uh, possibility of doing so. Just, you know, you're going to go into it and you're just going to try to work your way up the waiver wire as the season progresses. But once you're going to spend it, then spend it. You know, go for the waiver wire claims. Get what you can get. That's kind of my advice for that. So that that's the main thing that I think a lot of people wanted to hear about, talk about. So that's my big analysis on Jared McKinnon, Giant situation, and Mike Davis for the Carolina Panthers. But there's still a lot of other guys that we need to talk about. There's still a lot of other guys that have value for your teams this week. Or or even moving forward. Randall Cobb. Will Fuller goes down with a hamstring issue. We don't have a ton of details as of right now as far as what his timeline may or may not be. But Randall Cobb, when Will Fuller went down, he was very involved in this offense. Very involved. And he, would he be anything more than wide receiver four? No, but he's still somebody that I think you need to pick up, especially with bye weeks coming up, that you can utilize in your flex position and kind of plug and play him a little bit because if Will Fuller's down, Brandon Cooks, Randall Cobb are going to get a ton of volume. This Houston offense is kind of in a similar situation to Atlanta. The defense isn't quite as bad as that, but in a similar situation to Atlanta where they're going to give up a lot of points and they're going to be in a lot of shootouts. So Randall Cobb is somebody who I'm not spending anything on but I'm pretty sure you're going to be able to get him for free as a nice little wide receiver for pickup if Will Fuller is going to be out some time. That's why you don't have to spend anything on him, and you can wait until we find out exactly the timeline on Twitter is going to be for Will Fuller 
Remember, at BellyUpMDFFShow. And once we know that, then we'll have a good idea what Randall Cobb is going to be. But he's somebody I'm keeping my eye on for this week. Brings me kind of my next receiver, though, who I would get before I get Randall Cobb. And that would be Alshon Jeffrey. He's only 17% owned, too. Now, for good reason, we all knew he wasn't going to play as much. And let's face it, Alshon Jeffrey has become very, very non-exciting to have to be able to play and watch. But with this Eagles offense struggling the way that it is, with, with Carson Wentz struggling the way that he is, I do believe that Alshon Jeffrey, when he comes back, is going to come back into a significant role. I do believe he's going to come back as the number one targeted receiver more times than not for the Philadelphia Eagles. And I do believe he's going to come back and be a bit of a red zone target. And I talked about this a little bit in the recap that I do believe that when Alshon Jeffrey comes back, Dallas Goddard, at least when it comes to the red zone targets, may wind up finding himself being the odd man out more times than not. Now, they'll still run two tight end sets. This is always going to be a heavy two tight end set team. But if those targets have to go somewhere, they're not all going to go to the tight end. They start going to the wide receiver. They start going to Jeffrey. Zach Ertz is still the lead guy. So I, I would expect that Gallus Goddard, his value, his floor, would take a bit of a downtick when Jeffrey comes back. But it's 17% owned for a guy who's going to have touchdown potential, who could possibly be the number one target on a was going to be a pass-first team for the most part. That's value. That's at least high-end four wide receiver, low-end wide receiver three value. And with him being as widely available as he is with some of the injuries that we have had happen, he's probably one of my bigger steals, I think, that you can get later on in your waiver wire. I think you can get him for free. This is another guy I don't think you're going to have to spend anything on. I think you can wait until after waiver's clear to go ahead and get an Alshon Jeffrey because I don't think anybody's paying attention to that right now. We may or may may not be back as soon as this week in week three. It's more likely it'll be week four. But the idea is that he's going to be back within these next couple of weeks coming up because that was the whole reason they didn't put him on the pup list. If they thought he was going to miss six weeks, they would have put him on the pup list. So it's a really real chance it could be week four around there that he's back by, if not this week. So Alshon Jeffrey is somebody I think you guys should be looking at, especially if you need receiver help. To that point, to the receiver help point, uh, T. Higgins. Now this is more of a deeper league stash pickup move. I don't think you have to make this move if you're in 10 and 12 man leagues or anything like that. But the one thing that that Thursday night game proved is that it's clear T Higgins after the first two weeks is definitely ahead of John Ross on the depth chart and is definitely as far as snap share goes, the third receiver on the Bengals. It's T Higgins. It's AJ Green. It's Tyler Boyd. Those are your three top receivers for a team that could be throwing the ball quite a bit after the showing Joe Burrow put on against Cleveland Browns in that Thursday night matchup. So T. Higgins is somebody at 8% owned. You can get for free and has some sneaky value down the road because of the volume that he's actually playing on the field. The production may come. And this is a bigger body type of wide receiver. This is a guy who will turn into a red zone target if there begins to be a rapport between T. Higgins and Joe Burrow. So, again... Another guy you can get for free who should be, at the very least, he should be on your radar heading into this week. Next up, Jordan Reed. We talked about it a little bit when we're breaking down the running backs. George Kittle may not play this week. If George Kittle doesn't play, Jordan Reed at only 6% owned. He just came off a two-touchdown performance against the New York Jets. Can he go for two touchdowns again in the same stadium against the Giants this time? It's possible. It's a great matchup. Again, the same reasoning. I talked about Jordan Reed, actually, because I used him in my DFS line. I talked to him on my new show, the DC's DFS Challenge with Chris Pinto. 
And I talked about how I plugged Jordan Reed at $2,600 because I knew that he was going to be the number one red zone target for the 49ers and could quite possibly be even more than that. And he wound up being the number one target because they have no one else to throw the ball to right now. Brandon Ayuk was a rookie. Didn't expect him to necessarily have a big impact in that game. Kendrick Bourne was the was the lead targeted wide receiver, but it's Kendrick Bourne. Jordan Reed's who they're going to go to when they're throwing the football in the red zone. And we saw against the Jets, they're willing to do more than that. And he looked pretty good. And he's healthy. And he's Jordan Reed. Like, pick him up. If George Kittle's going to miss another week, which it's looking more and more like he will, against the Giants... Yeah, pick him up. Now, will I like him a lot more if Jimmy Garoppolo plays? Yeah, absolutely. But even if it's Nick Mullins, I think Jordan Reed's still going to be a streaming option at the tight end position this week that you don't have to spend anything on. Next, I mean, another tight end who probably should be picked up ahead of Jordan Reed because he actually has season-long value is Dalton Schultz. Schultz! We're like, who? Who's this Schultz guy coming in for Blake Jarwin, who is a sleeper tight end for so many people out there? A guy who you're able to pick up and put in as a streamer who you thought you'd be able to possibly catch lightning in the bottle? This guy, in a scramble of a game for the Dallas Cowboy comeback, was the lead targeted guy. Now, this is probably the first and only time he will be the lead targeted player on the Cowboys for the rest of the season. But what it solidifies is that not only is the job his and his alone as far as the tight end involvement in the passing game goes, but it solidifies that he has a rapport, that he has Dak Prescott's trust, and it solidifies that this Cowboy offense will utilize the tight end position and he's going to be the benefactor of that. That's what it solidifies. So Schultz should definitely be picked up ahead of Jordan Reed. I would still pick up Janu Smith if he's available in your leagues before I would pick up Schultz, just to go back to earlier in this waiver wire report. But Schultz is definitely a guy that should be owned, and he should be well over 50% owned after this week. He's another guy like Janu Smith, whom you may not have to stream again. Now, he's not a definite like Janu Smith is, But given that this offense is still going to be utilizing the tight end position and he showed that he can definitely handle it and he could be a playmaker and he is athletic, there's a good chance he's going to give you top 12 performances more times than not with the way this offense is built, with the amount of volume it's going to be in the passing game. So Schultz is a guy, he's still going to be more of a streaming option, but he's going to be a high-end streaming option and a borderline weekly starter for us moving forward. So pick up Schultz. We'll stay on the tight ends for a second. Mo Alley Cox. Now again, he's more Mo Alley Cox is more in the category of a Jordan Reed until we know for sure when Jack Doyle is coming back. And we don't know we don't have that timeline yet. But as long as he's out, he's got another great matchup this week. Fire up Mo Alley Cox. Finally the showing from the big physical freak. And you know what? If he continues to put games like this together, he might have rest of season value because he might take over this job. From an athletic standpoint, it's not even a contest between Mo Alley-Cox and Jack Doyle. It's not even close. So from that aspect of it, there's a chance he could take over the rest of the season. He's somebody who I'm picking up only as a streamer going into this week, but knowing that he might be a sleeper down the road for me, and you can get him for free as well. He's only 1% owned. The last player I'm going to talk about in today's waiver wire segment, I know it was a long one, but we had a lot of guys to go over. And that's going to be K.J. Hamler. 
Only 1% owned. He just came back off an injury. He was supposed to be limited last week. He winds up giving you seven targets, seven catches, 48 yards. Not a huge game, but now that we have the information that Cortland Sutton did in fact tear his ACL and he's going to be out the rest of the year, Jerry, Judy, KJ Hamler, the two rookie wide receivers, are going to be the guys getting a significant amount of volume. Whether it's Jeff Driscoll or Drew Locke. And frankly, I tr- after what I saw on Sunday, I might trust Jeff Driscoll more than Drew Locke. But Jerry, Judy, K.J. Hamler are going to be the guys. K.J. Hamler has big play ability. That's why they drafted him to be. Jerry, Judy will be the, the, the main targeted guy, but K.J. Hamler will have the home run capabilities. Is K.J. Hamler, as of this moment right now, anything more than a boomer bust wide receiver for? No. That's why, again, this is somebody you can get for free later on. But he is going to have a floor. He is going to have value the rest of the season with no Cortland Sutton. Plain and simple. And like I said, he's a big play threat. So he's somebody you can, if you need to find a way to hit a home run with in the right matchup, he's going to be that guy. So KJ Hamler at 1% owned is an absolute steal that you're going to be able to get for free, especially this week since it's such a heavy waiver wire. This is probably the longest waiver wire segment we ever did. And we're also going to end the show on that note. Now remember, we're going to be back, I believe, on Thursday on the Worldwide Sports Radio Network. At 12 o'clock from 12 to 1, we are going to be live. We will still be available to you on your favorite podcast app as the MD's Fantasy Football Show. We will still stream our video, whether it's live or or later on as a a replay before the Thursday night game. I'm not exactly sure how that aspect of it is going to work just yet. But the most important thing is that you go and you download the Worldwide Sports Radio Network on your Google Play or on your Apple Store, WWSRN for iOS if you're looking for the app on there, Worldwide Sports Radio Network if you're on Android. You download that. It's the easiest way to listen to it for free, unless you're in Long Island, New York, and in which case, 103.9. But we're going to be able to you in the podcast app as well, like I said. So on your favorite podcast app for the MD City Football Show, Google Play, Stitcher, Spotify, uh, wherever, wherever you go to get your podcast app, we're available to you guys. So make sure you check us out. Make sure you're following us on social media, at Show especially with all this player news coming out. You want to follow us along with that. We'll have our updated rankings for you, our, our first round of rankings that we like to we get set before the Thursday game. Uh, that will be either available to you usually late Wednesday night or early Thursday morning. So make sure you go ahead and check that out on bellyupfantasysports.com. Everyone stay safe, stay healthy, get your waiver wire players, don't give up, go into week three with the mindset that you are still here to play no matter how bad Red Sunday got to you. Everybody stay safe and we'll see you guys again on Thursday live on the air. Thank you for listening to Belly Up Sports MD's Fantasy Football Show. Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Hi, I'm Maria. And I'm Mike. And we're Team, team ready. ready. Black Hills Energy knows your home is where your heart is. 
So they want you to be ready. It's all about keeping you safe, prepared, and making your home as energy efficient as possible. Everything from how to weatherize your home to how to stay safe during extreme weather. Be ready for anything. Go to blackhillsenergy.com slash team ready.